Well, today we're going to continue our message series, Experience God's Power, and we're going to apply it to fathers in different ways. The Bible reveals God's power throughout its pages. The Bible teaches us that God is omnipotent, and that means that nothing is impossible for God. All things are possible for Him. And as we read the pages of the Bible, we see certain periods in history in which God's supernatural power is displayed. And yet in other periods of time in the Bible, we see few or no miracles. We don't see God's word being spoken much. There are not many prophets. And so what is the cause of the lack of God's blessing, the lack of God's power in certain periods of history as we read through the Bible? Well, in Scripture, we see that God's power was not seen when people turned away from worshiping the one true God and began to worship idols. In those times, the people had a lack of faith in God. They began to put their faith in man-made idols, the idols of the people that surrounded them rather than in God. And God's power was withdrawn from the community uh, of Israel at that time. The people had a lack of faith in God. The very same thing happened in Jesus' ministry. He came to his hometown in Nazareth in Matthew 13, verse 58. And, and I'd like to encourage you to pull out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It should be in there. It has the, uh, has the verses written out and uh, the outline as well. On the back is a study guide that you can use on your own to dig in a little more deeply. Matthew 13, 58 says, And he, speaking of Jesus, did not do many miracles there, that is in Nazareth, because of their lack of faith. And so he, here is Jesus, the very Son of God, and he's hindered in doing miracles in a certain location because the people did not believe in him. In order to experience God's power, we must have faith in the power of God. Today my message is entitled, Do You Want to Be Healed? Do you want to be healed? And so let me introduce this topic with, with a question. Can you have faith for something that you don't want to happen? Can you have faith for something that you don't want to happen? And the answer, I believe, to that question is no. If I don't want or desire something to happen, I'm certainly not going to have faith that it's going to happen because I, I don't even want it to happen in the first place. I don't even desire it to happen. And so in order to experience God's power in our lives, we first have to have a desire for God's power to work in any given situation. We have to want it to work. And then we must believe, after we have the desire, that God has the power to accomplish what we want to be accomplished, and finally we need to believe that God will use his power to change things, the things that need to be changed in our lives or situations. Now as I look around at people, we see that many people are, have been beaten down, as it were, in a rut by their enemy, by, by Satan. He may oppress people for many years, and, and eventually people just simply begin to accept that oppression from the enemy. This oppression from the enemy could be in your health. It could be in your relationship with God. It could be in your relationship with others. It could be with respect to some hindering sin or some negative habit that you have. It could be in your finances. It could be in your career or even in your family. 
It might have been going on for a long time. You know it's not right, but hey, I don't see anything ever changing. And so the first step for each one of us is to desire to be freed from any oppression that we have in our lives. We must desire for change and not be satisfied with the way things are. On one occasion, Jesus encountered two blind men. We're not going to look at the whole story. We're going to look at another story this morning. But Matthew 20, verse 32, these two blind men came up to Jesus and Jesus stopped them and called them. He said, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. In other words, what is your primary desire? What do you want? What is your heart's cry? You could want me to do many things, but what do you want me to do for you right now? And the two blind men replied to Jesus, Lord, we want our eyes opened. I mean, that's really what we want. We want to see. And Jesus then healed these two men. And so their desire was completed by their faith. They believed that Jesus could heal them, and Jesus did heal them through the power of God. And so this Father's Day, I want us, each of us to ask the question, do I desire change in my life? Or am I just satisfied with the way things are? With all the warts and all the problems, am I just going to put up with it, or do I desire change in my life? Have you simply accepted the oppression of the enemy as the way things are always going to be, or do you see hope for change? Do you want Jesus to set you free, to take you into a place of greater prosperity, a place of greater blessing? And so this morning, God wants you and I not only to desire change in our lives, He wants us to believe that His power can affect that change, that His power can change our lives and can change us. And so we need to desire change from God. It's the way we grow in God, to desire to change, to desire for God to change us in our circumstances. The story that we're going to look at this morning is taken from John chapter 5. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And so our story today begins with Jesus visiting Jerusalem. And coming to a pool there where disabled people, actually it says a, a, a great number of disabled people gathered. They had different kind of problems. Some were blind, some were lame, some were paralyzed. Now, I just make a comment. In modern translations, verse 4 has been left out. So we're going to be skipping to verse 5. And the reason is it's not in the earliest manuscripts, which are the ones uh, that are closest to the original. Verse 4 was undoubtedly added by an overzealous scribe who wrote that an angel stirred the water and whoever got into the pool at that time would be healed. Now, as we'll see in the story, there was a belief among the disabled that getting into the pool at the right time would lead to healing, but that's not what's going to happen in this story as we go through it. 
And even though there was a crowd of disabled people at this pool, we're going to focus on one man, just as Jesus focused on one man who desired a change from God in his life. And when you desire change from God in your life, no matter the area, don't give up. You see, this man, it says in verse 5, one was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time, isn't it? He'd been an invalid for 38 years. And we don't know when he became. He, it doesn't say he was born that way. And so maybe as a young man, maybe now he was, if it happened when he was 20, he would be 58 now. I mean, his whole adult life just about was as an invalid. He could not walk. And yet this man kept coming back to this pool, this pool at Bethesda, with a lot of other people in the hopes that somehow with this pool he could be healed. But as we'll see, the answer for this man was not in some magical waters. The answer is going to be found in Jesus. And so to see change from God in our lives, we must be clear on what we want. What do you want? And so when Jesus saw him laying there, verse 6, and learned that he'd been in the condition for a long time, he asked him, the disabled man, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you desire to get well? And so out of this entire crowd of who knows, it was many people, dozens, maybe even more than that. Jesus sees this one man laying there, helpless to get up. He knows that he's been disabled a long time, and he asks him this simple question, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Now, why would Jesus ask that question? Wouldn't it be obvious? Or maybe not. Maybe not. In order to be healed, the person must desire to be healed. They must desire to get well. And if there's no desire to be healed, then perhaps the man was simply accepting his condition. There would be nothing Jesus could do or would do for him. But as we'll see, this invalid did desire change from God. But he'd been looking in the wrong place. And looking in this story about the pool and what happened there. And so our story today is going to focus on, on physical healing. And God does want to heal those who need a touch in their lives for a physical illness or something that's wrong with your body. But the principles of this story can be applied to any change that you need in your life. Now as today is Father's Day, I'm going to really direct my application to the fathers here, but this can apply to everybody, whether you're a a father, a mother, a youth, a single person, it applies to each and every one of us. But as a father, what kind of change do you want to see in your life? Or do you feel like everything's just perfect? Okay, if you think everything's just perfect, just pray, because God wants to see change in your life. And your wife wants to see change in your life. <laughs> and your children want to see change in your life. So there is some room for improvement in each 
in every one of us. But we need to desire change in our life. It might have to do with our health or our physical fitness. Do we desire change in that? It might have to do with relationships in your family. Perhaps your relationship with your, with your wife or with your children. Or perhaps as a father you want to see change in your career, in your job, or, or in your finances. Or maybe the change you desire as a father, maybe even the change that God desires for you is a change in your relationship with God. Maybe that needs to be strengthened. Maybe you need to grow in your relationship with God. Maybe the change that you desire is to be more of a spiritual leader in your family. The important thing is that whatever change that you need in your life, don't just accept the way things are. Because then nothing's going to change. You have to desire. You have to want change. Don't believe that nothing can change or that nothing will change. Because with God, how many things are possible with God? All things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible. So seek God for the change that you need in your life. And as you seek, remember that Jesus is the only answer for that change. Now remember in our story, getting back to John chapter 5, Jesus has just asked this disabled man, do you want to get well? And here is his answer in verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And so basically the man is answering Jesus. He's saying, I mean, he doesn't answer yes, but I think it's implied in his response. Yes, I want to get well. And the way I want to get well is to get into this pool when something magical happens, when this water is stirred. That's, that's what I've been waiting for for 38 years. And the problem is that I just can't move quick enough. You know, I'm disabled. And somebody is always faster than me and gets into the pool and gets a chance to be healed. And so this man was desired to be healed, but where was his faith? His faith was in this pool of water that was agitated by some unknown source from time to time. There was no healing virtue in the waters of that pool. And as we'll see, Jesus didn't offer to help the man into the water. Jesus had nothing to say about the water in the pool. The man didn't need to get into the water. That was not the answer that he needed. The lame man needed Jesus as the answer for his healing. And so Jesus simply ignored what the man said about getting into the pool. Jesus simply gave a command. And Jesus' command brought the healing. Then Jesus said to the man, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Just like that. And so the lame man was basically asking Jesus to help him get into the pool. When the water was stirred, but Jesus did nothing about that. He simply gave the command and as we'll see later in the story, at this point, the man really had no idea who Jesus was. And yet he didn't continue to lie there. He followed Jesus' direction in faith. It says in verse 9, At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so Jesus told, told the man to get up. Now the man had a choice to make, did he not? He could have just laid there. It's like, get up? I can't get up. I haven't been able to get up for 38 years. How am I going to be able to get up right now? But there must have been some faith in the man's heart when Jesus spoke the words and said, get up. He got up. I mean, he began to get up and all of a sudden it's like, this is different. I mean, I, I'm getting up. 
My legs are strong now. He stood up. And after he stood up, he said, well, Jesus said, pick up my mat. So I pick up my mat, I roll it up, put it under my arm. And he began not only to stand, but to walk. It was a new day. This man's life had been changed. 38 years laying as an invalid. And with Jesus, nothing was impossible. The pool of water was not the answer for his problem. He was looking in the wrong place. Jesus was the answer. And as fathers, we often look in the wrong places for the answers to our problems in life. As men, we often feel the answers to our problems may be in our jobs or in finances. You know, perhaps if we just had more money, then we could solve all the issues that we have or our family has. Or perhaps our issues might be solved if we just moved up the corporate ladder or gained more prestige for ourselves. But no matter what issues you may be facing today, the answer is, found only in Jesus. He is the answer for the change that we need. And so I encourage you to pray and ask God what you are to do to receive the change you need in your life from God. And then simply obey and follow his direction in faith. Now there may be those here today who need a miracle of physical healing as this invalid did. Paralyzed not able to walk for 38 years. I believe the Bible teaches that God still heals today. The same power that Jesus flowed through Jesus can flow through his followers today and bring healing to those who need his touch. And so I would encourage you to believe that Jesus can still heal today through the prayers of his people through the prayers of believers. And sometimes people wonder, why should I have somebody else pray for me? Aren't my prayers good enough? You know, I'm praying for myself. Nothing's happening, but you know, that seems like a good prayer to me. Why, why would I need somebody else to pray for me? Well, we don't have time to go into it in great detail, but the Bible teaches that God distributes spiritual gifts among different people in the body of Christ. And one of the spiritual gifts is the gift of healing. And he doesn't distribute this gift to everybody. Some have one gift, some have another gift. Why does God do this? Why doesn't he just give everybody all the gift? Because God wants us to humble ourselves and ask others to pray. Because if I don't have the gift, maybe they do. And if the person has the gift, then God can bring healing through that person. Or uh, that gift can basically be a channel for the power of God to bring about healing. And so God wants us to humble ourselves, to ask others to pray. This can apply to many things. I'm just using the example of physical healing because that's what the story is about. But we need to learn to appreciate that God's power can flow through others into our lives when we humble ourselves and allow others to pray or ask others to pray for us, and that we can receive change in our lives. We can receive miracles in our lives that we could never receive through our own prayers. And we need to admit that we need other people. God uses other people to bring about change in our lives. 
So what happens after a miracle? Let's see what happened next. Verse 10. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Well, the Old Testament forbade working on the Sabbath. And the Jews thought, well, what is work? We have to define it. And so they wrote page after page after page of what constituted work. You know, if you lifted up a stick, it was work. If you picked up your mat, it was work. They're very, uh, very, very particular about it. And so carrying your mat was forbidden work according to the rules and regulations of the Jewish nitpickers of the day, the scribes and Pharisees. It was not part of Scripture, but they had expanded all their interpretation of what work was. And so the healed man said, hey, you know, I, I just was doing what the guy who healed me told me to do. He said, get up, pick up your mat and walk, and I just did what he said. And so after this disabled man had received his miracle, he began to have issues with the Jewish authorities here. And these authorities were far more interested in their rules and regulations than in the fact that a man who had been disabled for 38 years was healed. I mean, like here a man who had been laying there, they knew who he was. For 38 years he's been healed. And did they say, praise the Lord, brother? They said, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to pick up your mat and walk with it. It's work. You're in sin. And so after a miracle, there's going to be persecution. It's, it's uh, pretty much par for the course from somebody. And so the Jewish authorities continued to question this man. They said, so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? So now they're after Jesus. The man who was healed had no idea who he was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And so they continued, these Jewish authorities continued to give this man who was healed, they gave, began to give him trouble because he was challenging their authority. He'd picked up his mat. He was doing work in their eyes on the Sabbath. And so in this case, the persecution involved religious people who were more interested in rules and regulations than in a person's relationship with God. None of these rules and regulations was in the Bible. They had been added to it. And today, persecution often comes from religious people who follow rules, their own tradition rather than the word of God. Many things are added in different rules and regulations and they bring persecution on those who are truly following God. Persecution today also comes from those who don't believe God still works miracles today. That this possibly could not possibly have happened. And so after you receive a miracle, understand you're going to be persecuted. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute, but you're going to be persecuted and you need to be careful so you don't lose your miracle. The last verses we're going to look at today, verse 14 and 15. It says, later Jesus found him, that is this disabled man who had been healed. He was no longer disabled. Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. 
And so it appears that Jesus searched for this healed man. He found him in the temple. He was looking for him because he had some additional instructions for him. And when Jesus found him, the man was still well. I mean, this was not a, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? A psychosomatic healing. You know, the man just kind of, he was healed. Uh, he could walk again. The healing was, was still there. But Jesus had a warning for the man. Jesus told the man, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And so we know from other teachings of Jesus, we don't have time to look at it today, is that sickness is not always caused by sin. Just because somebody is sick doesn't mean they've sinned. It just happens. You know, every time you get a cold, it doesn't mean that you've sinned. Every time somebody gets a worse disease, it doesn't mean that that person particularly sinned. But we know from what Jesus said here, in some cases, sin does cause sickness. And we know that from other places in the Bible too. It is one of the possible causes of, of sickness. And in this case, <clears throat> when Jesus says stop sinning, it meant the man had sinned in the past and was continuing to sin. And this was an issue. The guy hadn't repented. There was some type of persistent sin in his life that even after he'd been healed, he was not uh, repentant of. And Jesus warned him that if your sin continues, something worse is going to happen. Now, what could be worse than being disabled for 38 years? I don't know. Maybe die? I don't know what it was. But it was, it was pretty serious. In other words... If the man continued to sin, he would lose his miracle. I mean, things would get even worse. His final state would be worse than simply being disabled. And so sin, if you continue in sin, can cause you to lose your miracle, can cause even worse things to come upon you. And so God's power is always opposed by our enemy, Satan, in many different ways. In this story, God's power was first opposed by the religious leaders with their rules and regulations, uh, trying to come against the man and find what happened there as an opportunity to attack Jesus. God's miracle-working power was opposed by Satan, who was leading this healed man to keep on sinning and put his healing in jeopardy and set him up for even worse things happening. Now, we don't really know how this story ended. This is the end of the story in verse 15. We, we really don't know how it ended for this man. The man didn't respond back to Jesus, but he did tell the authorities that it was Jesus. Now he knew who it was who had made him well. Hopefully the man repented and stopped sinning, or something worse happened to him. I guess one day we'll find out uh, which it was. I, I'm hopeful he did stop. And so when you receive a miracle from God of, of any kind, be prepared for the enemy's attack. You may be persecuted by those who have issues with miracles, who have issues with God working in your life. You may be tempted to sin, which may cause you to lose your miracle. You don't actually can lose your miracle as this man, Jesus warned him. Stop sinning or something worse is going to happen. Keep on following Jesus. Keep on following his word. And you will be blessed. 
And so this morning, I want each of us to think, what area of my life do I want God to change? What area of my life does God desire change in? Now, the change that you desire must be something that's according to God's will, obviously. It can't just be, you know, God, I want to win the lottery or something like that. Okay? It must be a change that is God's will. And if that change that you're desiring from God is God's will, believe that Jesus is able, that he's willing to bring about that change. Don't be satisfied with the status quo in your life. God wants you to grow. God wants each and every one of us, including fathers, to grow spiritually. And growth implies what? Change. You're not going to grow if you don't change. It needs change from God. In a few minutes, we're going to pray. So I encourage you to get your hearts ready to pray and to believe God to bring about lasting change in the area of life that God is pinpointing for you this morning. You can experience God's power today because God is still a God of miracles. In every area that we need help in, God is there to bring help if we believe. The most important change that everybody needs is first and foremost to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. For God to change your life, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. And you need to commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to first pray a simple prayer inviting Jesus into your life. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, or you want to recommit your life to the Lord this morning, I'd encourage you to pray with me. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been following my own plan for my life, not yours. I believe Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, took my sins upon himself that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I commit my life to following Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would help us with the change he has for us as well. Father, we thank you for the good things that you've planned for each one of us as, as we grow closer and closer to you. We desire everything that you have for us. Forgive us, God, for, for being content, for being satisfied with less than your best for our lives. Today, God, we believe that Jesus is the only answer for the issues that we face in life, the problems that we face, the change that we need to grow to become the people you want us to be. We ask God today that you bring healing to each person that needs your touch. Strengthen the fathers here today, God, to strengthen them in their relationship with you. Strengthen them in being the spiritual leaders for their families. Give them success in their jobs and help them as they provide for their families. God, we pray that each person here would stand strong against the enemy's attacks. God, we thank you for your power that is available to us today. Help us to open ourselves up to your power in each and every area where we need change. Help us to live lives that are pleasing to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.